You're listening to another This Is Your Podcast production. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian Dunstan, joined once again by my man, Keith Reading. And, well, I guess we can start with this. The Maple Leafs are on the verge of being eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs and getting swept by the Florida Panthers. There it is, Keith. I said it. The Leafs are on the verge of getting swept in the second round. All that goodwill, all that wonderful feeling, all that demon slaying of getting out of the first round went for naught because they're getting swept. They're not putting up a fight. They're not dealing with injuries. They're just not playing well enough to win. And Florida has taken them to the woodshed, leading this series 3-0 on the strength of a 3-2 overtime victory in Game 3. And Keith, I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to think, much less say. It's just, it's just the worst thing that could possibly happen in the second round. There you go. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, to have you at a loss for words—that's uh, that is a crazy state of affairs. Because I've known you for a lot of years, and I've never seen you speechless. So, <laughs> but you know what? It, wow. You know, uh, I had a few guys who really, really live and breathe hockey tell me that the Florida Panthers were going to sweep the Maple Leafs, but I took it with a grain of salt because these guys could be qualified as Leaf haters. You know that phenomenon, you're born in Southern Ontario, but you still hate the Leafs? They could, but, but on the other hand... I don't understand well, that. But on the other hand, they really know the game of hockey. So they prognosticated mm-hmm. that the Leafs would get swept. I do uh, remember saying to you that Florida had nothing to lose, and they just upset, they slew the bear, right? The, the Bruins. So, and you heard after the game, after game two, a number of Panthers players came out with what we think is obvious, that they've been playing this playoff-style must-win hockey for months. So after they knocked off the Bruins, after they won two in Toronto, you know, these guys were just trumpeting that. Like, hey, we've been living on the edge, that playoff edge for months. And yesterday, uh, you saw it. I mean, again, the Panthers won't beat themselves. And every chance that the Leafs gave them as an opening to take it and win, they took it. I mean, they didn't score on every chance they had. The Leafs had, again, the Leafs had really good goaltending, right? Joseph Wall. Had to come in mm-hmm. for Samsonov, who got injured, what, 30 seconds, 37 seconds into the second period of that game. He came in, and for my money, I mean, he let in three goals, but I thought he played a great game. You know, I really did. Yeah, he looked he looked phenomenal. He looked ready, as uh, Sheldon yeah. said. Um, but the rest of the team wasn't ready. I was watching that game, Keith, I'm thinking, they're just not quite on it. But how can you not be on it, ready to play, ready to go through a wall when you're down to love and it's game three? You have to be breathing fire. You have to, like, come out, come onto the rink with, what's that phrase? Like, your hair's on oh, yeah. fire. And they kind of did. Austin Matthews rang one off the crossbar on the first rush of the game. And that was pretty much all we heard from him until the third period, though. You know, you know Keith, you know what really bothers me about this whole scenario? Is, and I don't want to throw dirt on them because they're not quite dead and buried yet. It is only, it is only, 
I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> They're down three nothing. What is it? Four times in NHL history, a team's come back from a three nothing deficit in the yep, playoffs. Four times. Look, so it's not. Yeah, it's not likely to happen. And I get that, but they're not dead and buried yet. They got to play game four. And quite frankly, they've played well enough in this series to be in the series, but they're not. So who knows what game four is going to bring us. But the point I'm trying to make is this, Keith. The terrible thing about the way the Leafs are losing and going out potentially in the second round of the sweep is that this just feeds the fire, the raging inferno that is the criticism of this franchise. And frankly, I'm going to use a bad word here, they're bringing this shit upon themselves. You cannot go into a second round series when you're the favorite team and not get some kind of positive result. Show some kind of fight. Have your best players show up when they're needed. And that's what's happening. Austin Matthews, zero goals in this series. John Tavares, zero goals in this series. Mitch Marner, a shadow of himself in this series. William Nylander? kind of here and there, not enough, not enough. And how can that happen? You're supposed to elevate your game in the second round. You're supposed to have slayed all the demons that have been dragging you down when you beat Tampa in the first round. You know what this does? This effort to this point renders everything they've done to this point moot, a waste of time, because now all the criticisms, all the mudslinging, all the naysayers are going to have so much more fuel to say, same old Leafs. And I hate that. <laughs> I really you do. know, it's uh, funny to me as a non-Leaf fan. Everybody in Toronto, Leaf fans abroad, which there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, everybody was looking to just get out of, not just get out of the first round, but the emphasis was 19 years, haven't been out of them the first round. Well, they got out of the first round and the players said the, the correct thing, right? After the first round, they were all saying, hey, mm -hmm. we got a taste of winning a series. We, we want more of it. We're more motivated to go on. But unfortunately, the play on the ice, save for a few players, I would say both Leaf goaltenders and someone like Morgan Riley, um, you know, the, the effort hasn't been there. And you can't place this on your quote unquote bottom six or, you know, because those guys are doing their job. It, this is squarely, you know, you want to call it the core four, you want to steal from the New York Yankees. This is squarely on yeah. their shoulders, man. Like no goals. Yep. No goals. Not even, you know, nothing off somebody's ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing. Oh, you don't know? start with that. Don't well, start look, with that. Look at the like first Carter series. How many Ricky. goals, you know, Austin Matthews battling in front of the net. Where is that going? You know, he had those great tips. Exactly. Where has that been? You know, I know he's had, yep. put on, he's had some bad luck, but that's what, ha that's what happens in a playoff series. Make your own yeah, luck. That's what, they haven't done it. That's what I the mean, good teams do. I told you before, a no. lot of people question Mitch Marner and I look, the guy's a wonderfully skilled player, but you know, one thing is really evident is that he's not going into tough areas. I'm sorry. He's not going into tough areas. And sometimes that's what it takes to open up the other things that you can do on the ice. You know what I mean? It's like any sport, yeah. any sport, Brian, when you're kind of a one trick pony mm -hmm. at this level, the other team figures you out. 
they figure you out. And he looks, he looks, he looks figured out. He looks overmatched. He doesn't look like a player that scored 99 points in a, in the NHL regular season. I mean, you see, right. Yeah. Right, right there, Keith. Everything you just said there is bang on. And it's everything that I don't want to hear <laughs> because it's fed. It is totally fed by losing. Yeah. If the Leafs had somehow managed to put a goal in last night in overtime, our conversation is completely Oh, it's a different, different. series. Boy, they just, they just stuck it out. They found a way. They did what was necessary. But one goal, one play, one loss of concentration. But that is what the playoffs is all about. You cannot have the loss of concentration. You cannot give up that one goal. If you do, you're going to lose game one. If you do, you're going to lose game two. And if you do, you're going to lose game three. And that's exactly what's happened to the Leafs. They're the ones who have blinked first every time. Every time in this series. Florida's not outplaying Toronto. Toronto is yeah. outplaying Toronto. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I mean... It's just, it's just, it's just, I, like I said, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words. And I just, look, all I can say is this, Keith. I said earlier about the 2 nothing deficit to, Tampa, to Florida is that the situation is desperate, but not hopeless. Okay, well, you know what? Now the situation is both desperate, desperate, and it's very much without hope. I mean, what we can hope that they go into game four and somehow turn the tide of luck into their favor and come up with a victory, they're still down three games to one. Okay, so they go back to Toronto and somehow get boosted by a raucous Scotiabank Arena crowd. They're still down three games to two, heading to Florida. Do you really think you give them a chance to win three games in a row against this team, playing the way they are, with the way things are going now? I really can't see it. But that's the task that's in front of them. One game at a time. Here comes the cliches. A period at a time. Here comes more cliches. Well, you haven't done that to this point, so why should we believe that's going to change in the next game? It's just, that's an intolerable situation. <laughs> that's all I You know say. what? The overtime winner, too, was just, it just said, it spoke volumes. It said exactly what we've been talking about. You know, I, I watched, you know, as, um, Sam Sam Reinhardt, like just kind of skated into the zone, yeah. then kind of I, I weaved his way back almost lazily. And I, and when he when he took the zone again, I, my first thought was somebody better hit this guy or put a body on him. Yeah. That was my first thought. Somebody better put the, a body on this guy because he's going to lull you to sleep. And then you know he made a good play, threw it around the boards. You know I, I I'm trying to figure out who was it that threw it back to him. It was, uh, oh yeah, was it? No, no, no. The, in the overtime, it yeah, Lund it was Lundell. Lundell threw it back to him. Yeah. And when I say lull you off, uh, lull you to sleep, man. Reinhardt made such a quick move behind the net that I was like, oh, this is done. Mm -hmm. I, I actually was like, where did he come from? And all of that was because nobody put a body on him. He was allowed to just. Throw the puck around the net and then just skate freely there. I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you mug the guy, but mark the guy. You know he was totally he was totally lost. He totally lulled the Leafs to sleep. But Brian, this is overtime for the Leafs. It was do or die time. You know, and and I'm not 
that's not hyperbole. It was do or die, man. You got you had to be clawing, scratching, not watching a guy, you know, just dangle mm-hmm. with the puck. It was so disappointing because you know when you just you just could see it happening. I saw it happening. I was like, okay, well, something's going to happen here. I was I was stunned by it. Cause he came off those, like I said, he came off those boards so quickly and swiftly. I was like, oh, okay. And I heard, you know, some of the um some of the um commentators were saying, oh, well, Wall kind of made a should have been nah. That was No. Nah. Come on. Wall was not comfortable no, not in any at all, situation, man. way, shape, or not form. at all. No. You know, you you've got to pay Look, some you, sort you of physical keep, price. You keep using, yeah. Absolutely. You've got to face some kind of resistance. And there was not, but you kept using a phrase which I think bang was bang, is bang on. Lull them to sleep. How in the hell is that even applied to a hockey team in game three, trailing two nothing in the second round of the playoffs at any period of that game, let alone yep. overtime? Lull, lull to sleep? Come on, man. That's just, that just should not be a situation that even enters the lexicon of anybody describing the play of this team. And yet here we are talking about a team that was lulled to sleep in overtime. Man, I just, I want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt, but how can you, when you sit there and watch what's happened through the last, the course of these last three games, it's really hard, Keith. And I'm as optimistic a Lee fan. I try to be <laughs> realistic, but I'm pretty optimistic in my realism. That I realize that. But there is no shade of optimism that can sugarcoat what's gone on. You got to bear down. You've got to apply yourself. You've got to do more and then do more than doing more when you're in the playoffs at this level. That's what the good teams do. That's what the great teams have done. This team has been good. They've never gotten to great. And we're seeing it right now. Well, the only thing I think, you know, in two Wednesdays from now, (laughs) <laughs> if we're st- we're talking about the Leafs having made one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history, then I mean, stop went, it. maybe we could just say they wanted just to take the fans on a on a it. ride, a dramatic ride, uh, <laughs> cruising into the third round of the Keith, playoffs. I, I I can't even allow that to enter, enter my thoughts because that would be that would be the most amazing thing in the history of hockey to me, to in my history of hockey. But it's not likely to happen. We both unlikely four times, Keith, four times. And although it's in the organizational DNA for the Leafs to come back from 3-0, 1942, as we talked about, (laughs) it's not in this team's DNA to come back from three love down. They just don't they don't have it, Keith. I think they showed their best in game two and they lost game three. They didn't show their best, but they were in the game and they lost. I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah. I guess we'll have a hell of a lot to talk about come game four because I'm done with this, man. Well, Game three, it's over. They lost. You never know. On to the next one. You know, it's funny because uh, with the extra days off, I actually thought that that would uh, play into the Leafs' hands, uh, you know, on on the first road game. Plus, I mean, they've had a good road record uh, this playoffs, right? So now they have the extra days off. I, I say, thank God they're in Florida. (laughs) And <laughs> not in Toronto. I mean, the media and social media's reach is even longer and further, obviously. But at least, you know, they're not in the midst of it. 
you know? So at the, the, the end of the day, I mean, I know you'll never lose your love for the Leafs. So you obviously, you want them to win. No. But you're, I know you're being, of course, you're being realistic. I, I always love your optimism when it comes to the Leafs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I cannot see uh, them coming back. And I mean, the recipe for a success in game four is simple. Very simple. I mean, your best guys, like we said, from the beginning of these playoffs, your best guys gotta have be your, to be your best guys. Got to have them. Need them. Can't win without now, them. Let's, let me ask you, you know, a question, though. <laughs> I know that quote. <laughs> let me ask you a question. I know. I was going there. <laughs> if your best guys are not your best guys in game four, what does that say? If they don't pay the price to win. Because if I'm, honestly, if I'm Florida and I'm looking over at the other series going on, I'm going to say, you know what? If, I, if we get the Leafs out of here, man, we're going to have a nice long rest time to heal get everybody ready for the next round so i expect florida well, to be full yeah, throttle you know what Gee, keith you open up a wonderful door right there because think about this the florida panthers just beat technically the best team ever in the history of the yep. nhl beat them right and then they walk into a team that everyone says may have the most talent in the league, and they're going to they're gonna sweep them. How could you not be overflowing with confidence, knowing that you have the game necessary to be better than the NHL's best? Would you be afraid of playing Carolina? No. Would you be afraid of, afraid of playing New Jersey? Nope. Edmonton? Eh, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid, whatever. We just beat Boston and Toronto, man. Bring them on. We'll show you how it's done to the rest of the league. I think that the Florida Panthers, the way things are going right now, they're on a roll that could culminate in one of the greatest runs to a Stanley Cup championship in the history of the NHL. You know, don't forget. Let's not forget. This team went from being the President's Trophy champions and having, what, 132 or 122 points? Yeah, 122, yeah. To just barely making the playoffs this season. Like if, if there's been a bigger rebound than this, I have yet to see it. So there's a great story being written by the Florida Panthers. The only problem with that great story, it comes at the expense of the team that I'm wearing on my chest right now, the Toronto. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, know you I will that, say to this uh, right there. Matthew right there. Chuck trade. So I'm still, I'm still behind the crest. I'm still behind the crest. But I understand that, hey, it's not possible to come back from three love in one series. Just as not. Hey, I now I, I know. I'm, I know. At the beginning of the year, we were saying, uh, you know, this uh, Panthers Flames trade. Ooh, what a steal and whatever. But I think it's beginning to look a little one-sided. Oh, <laughs> if you could trade two hundred-point guys for each other and then have the very next year the trade look a little one-sided. I think it is beginning to be a little one-sided. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, he played, I think he played great in game in game one, but this guy is always, always a presence on the ice. And I mean, I really just like the way, you know, his team gutted it out against the Leafs. Because again, it was an overtime game. Why did an overtime game feel like Florida was always going to win though? 
from after like you know the second period. The second periods, man, have been terrible for the Leafs against Florida. But why did it feel like Florida was always going to win? I don't know. They're just you know, Duclair, Anthony Duclair, who's been you know I've been rooting for this guy for about what are we 2013 for about seven six years since I first saw him playing at the World Juniors. Um, but three breakaways? How is that allowed? A couple of a couple of you know wide open stretch passes too. Throw all that in there. One of which led to Samsonov's you know indirectly led to Samsonov's injury, right? Or directly, if you want to say that. You know what? We're beating a dead horse here. I I've had enough. I'm done. I'm done, Keith. I'm done. You know, on to the next thing, which is the NBA playoffs, which I can get happy about because we're watching some amazing games take place uh, in, the, in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. And you know what? I, I know we should be talking about Philly first because of what James Harden has done again. But I want to start out West because the Lakers have made a believer out of me. I thought they had a chance to do something. But watching the way they're playing and the way they're winning, they're playing defense. They're getting rebounds. They're running. The Lakers, with 37,000-year-old LeBron James leading them, it's been amazing to watch. I am so blown away by them. And they're doing it against Golden State, which has showed they have championship pedigree and know what it takes to do in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying that series is over. I mean, the Lakers are up, what, two games to one now? Yeah. So, obviously, it... it yeah. Yeah, they're up two to one. Yeah, for sure. But they're in LA. They're in LA for game four. Right. So I mean that that in itself. But you know what, Brian? And I totally get get where you're going, but this mm-hmm. Lakers team, man, do they run hot and cold. You know, and I can't say that a, that only three get three games into a series. I mean no. I can't say that the Warriors are are out of it. The Warriors may very well come out and blow them out in game four after what they did to Sacramento in game seven. I, I, you know, I can't, I cannot hold the, you know, I can't put the warriors in any sort of deficit for moving on after three games, but the Lakers, Brian had a fan, man, they shot over 50% and then they held the warriors under 100 points. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly you what know, happened. that's recipe for a blowout, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable what they did, man. Like if I told yeah. you that <laughs> one team was going to shoot almost 50% from three, I know that's what, the you know, you, thing like, is the Lakers are terrible. It's, three it's point shooting team, Brian. All that being said, I'm loving what the Lakers are doing. The Warriors are not out of this series by any stretch of the imagination. They still have Steph Curry. They still have Klay Thompson. And that means they're still in any series that they're in. And it's going to be wonderful to watch. It's been awesome basketball because you've got a level of superstar, which is generational, in Steph Curry and LeBron James going head-to-head and doing things that at this age yeah. that people didn't think would be possible. So. It's going to be a joy to watch. I hope it goes seven. I want it to go seven because I just want to keep watching this kind of basketball. You know what? One thing that, that has irked me since the trade deadline is 
how do the Los Angeles Lakers end up with two, basically yeah. two starters at the, from the trade deadline and a six man that got like a few days totally before that? Totally their team. How, do, how totally did they manage that? On the fly. You know? Yep. They got younger yeah. and They bigger. got younger. They got younger, better <laughs> defensively, and bigger. Like, and yeah. I, I can't imagine that, you know? Jared Vanderbilt, who was a player I was, you know, familiar for, with, you know, since his days at Kentucky, starter. D'Angelo Russell, I mean, yeah. drops 21 points last game, five for eight from three, you know? And Rui Hachimura, he's who been, they don't huh? get through that first round series without that guy. It's a big games. Some huge games, but there you go, man. Your top, from your top six, three of the guys you get at the trade deadline. Yeah, and you know, let's not even talk about they got Tristan Thompson up there too. You know, (laughs) so (laughs) Canadian. No, but you know what? Yeah, but it's just it's amazing, man, how they managed to remake their team. Something like that. Remember at the trade deadline, what were they? Thirteenth, Brian. And then I, and I think they had the best record in the West since the trade deadline. The Lakers. That's incredible. Best trade deadline of all the NBA teams. Because they literally did remake their roster. And the fact that they've come together to be able to take the Warriors to this extent, to defeat the Grizzlies, the number two team in the West, um, speaks volumes about just how good the moves were that they made the trade deadline. Now, speaking of trade deadline moves, or around that time, the nu- I thought the Nuggets would be dead in the water. Sorry, I thought the Suns would be dead in the water because of the loss of Chris Paul. Well. Hello, Mr. Kevin Durant and Mr. Devin Booker having some great games, showing the kind of offensive styles that they're capable of bringing to any table. They've just been phenomenal to watch, and now we actually have a series again as they hold court, and it's 2-2 heading back to Denver. This has been another power pack series of superstar players, and all the superstars are doing what is necessary to keep their teams in games. Awesome basketball to watch, watching the way Jokic has been dominating inside. 53 points in game four. 53. Unbelievable. But just the, the combination wow. of Devin Booker yeah. and Kevin and Kevin Durant has been virtually unstoppable. And the Nuggets are not the best defensive team at the best of times. But with these two guys firing away the way they are, that's a problem, man. That is a problem. I remember uh, at one point in the fourth quarter when uh, I think it was it was a one possession game, anyways. And uh, Grant Hill was uh, was you know saying you you gotta Grant Hill, ex obviously great. Uh, he was saying he was calling the game and he said you gotta really? double team Devin Booker here from three. And and the funny thing is is that the Nuggets did it and he still hit the three. The Nuggets double-teamed him right at the three-point line, and he rose up, and he still hit the three, man. Like, 72 points combined for Durant and Booker. I mean, you know, yeah. what's an equally incredible? I mean, Jokic and Mary had 81 combined. But, so, the, I mean, this game was a five-point game, but it was really, you know, a back-and-forth mm-hmm. clawing game, like a one-possession game most of the time, right? So, you know... But you, but you, you said it right. Um, you know, you were uh, 
you were saying that without Chris Paul, Combined. they're going to have to step up. They did. Yeah. Game three, 86 points between Durant and Booker. And the thing is, as we all, as you know, uh, as KD, one thing about KD is he's generally efficient. But even, you know, but here he was, you know, he did it from the line. Booker, yep. I believe, was 20 of 25 in game three. 20 of 25, man, for 47 points. So, hey, look, you know, they know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy because one guy that I wouldn't mind seeing mm-hmm. still in the championship run, I've said this many times, is CP3. And, you know, you were saying, you were saying last cast how this guy has the most it's, it's shocking. untimely playoff injuries of anyone you remember. So, yeah. hey, his team is doing it for him, you know. You know, uh, I, I was watching too. I, what was that? Landry Shamit training threes when uh, Booker man, was on the bench yesterday. Up. You know, like, guys are stepping up, man. Guys are stepping up. So Chris Paul has been a, a, another another revelation for that oh, yeah. team. Look, before we leave the Western Conference and the Nuggets Suns series, we really got to touch on what happened between uh, the Suns' new owner Matt Ishiba and. Uh, Jokic, Jokic, man, when the Joker went out of bounds, got oh. into confrontation with the owner. Look, I don't care what happened there, and I know that Jokic is probably going to be fined again for this, but that owner was totally in the wrong for what he did. You know, you're not an owner. You're a fan at that point, and you can't be tugging away the ball from a, from a player. You can't be getting involved with a player, and he put hands on Jokic. It's ridiculous. I know. Yeah, in the heat of battle too, Brian. I mean, the emotions are so high out on that floor. I mean, any fan, you know, and I just, you know, I just wish, you know, fan, owner, whatever. You know, to I get watch. it. You you're not a participant. Watch, but that's what you're paying for. Paying to watch. You know, you're not, you're not, exactly. You're not involved. There's no reason for you to hold on to that ball. Yeah. No reason. I don't care if you're the owner. I don't care if you're the commissioner. You know, there's no reason for you to do it. And, but, you know, let's give him some credit. You know, afterwards, people were asking uh, Matishiba, you know, should Jokic be suspended, mm-hmm. fined, or whatever? And his answer was no. Yeah, he shouldn't would, be. He, he, you know, I, I was in the wrong. Give him credit for issuing a but he gets no credit for getting credit. involved in that in the first place. You got to know better. You got to be better than that. You should be, when he, when he comes over to get the ball, no. hey, buddy, have a good game. We're going to kick your ass. And then you hand him you the think ball. That these... That's what an owner does. You, you don't start tugging and pulling with the guy. It's madness. You think that these, uh... yeah. Yeah, you think these billionaire guys would be a little smarter than that. Eh? You rise to billionaire status and you're not, uh, you know, you're not s- smart enough. You know, but anyways, I was going to say, hey, another great yeah. game. Devin Booker, 14 for 18 a game, man. Yeah. This guy is just like he is on fire. I remember, remember now it's a, it's like five, six years ago, six years yeah. ago when he became the youngest player ever to score 70. And I remember just thinking, you know, you know, some of his antics, you know, I told you dating a Kardashian, uh, not a fan of that. His, yeah. his, uh, his antics with the Raptors mascot, you know what I mean? And I was kind of wondering, you know, and, and actually remember last season, 
letting uh um what's his face get into his head um oh yeah uh, dallas mavericks luca well luca getting into his head last year you know what i mean and and uh allowing the mavericks to come back and eliminate them when you know a lot of people had them coming out of the west last year uh you know but this guy you can see he's focused he's more mature and he's much more responsible you know, taking on a lot of the ball handling mm-hmm. duties. You know, remember this guy had twelve assists yesterday. I mean, twelve assists and thirty six points. Game, man. That's, That's a, a lot of responsibility, game. man, on your shoulders. You know, so yeah, yeah. All right, let's take you, a look at this yeah. You earned your sleep that night. I'm telling you, is you know the Miami so, Heat versus the New York Knicks. You know, everyone joked oh. about this series coming into it that it was going to be like the 1990s all over again. Well, you know what? It's it's actually not a joke. It's actually turned into a 1990s type of slugfest. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it, Keith. I got to tell you. I, I love watching playoff Jimmy Butler. I love watching the way the Knicks scrap. It's just been, it's been everything you could want in a series if you're an old school guy like me. Just two tough teams fighting it out. And the fact that Miami's coming out ahead doesn't hurt the equation for me either. I've never been a fan of the Knicks. You know what? I'm not a Knicks fan, in the world be a but Jalen I am fan, a Jalen Brunson fan. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the way he plays basketball. I love the fact that mm-hmm. he's not your fastest guy, so he controls the pace. You know what I mean? He, you know, he slows it down when he wants to. He spurts by you when he can. Um, he posts up smaller guards. Um, you know, and I love the fact that this guy can just control the thing. But you, interestingly enough, another guy who can do it on the other side. And did you see uh, that you know, under? revival? You know, fake, Kyle fake. Lowry. Oh man. my goodness! I was like, <laughs> I stood up and applauded. I actually oh, did. Oh, brilliant! That. I the TV scene, You know what? I love watching this guy play, and he is everything yeah. that Miami needs. Right? Tough, resilient, relentless, unending, doing oh, whatever yeah. it takes, and that's what Miami does. Not the most talented team in the league, but they are just a bitch to play against, man. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know. Yeah. No one thought the Heat would be here, you know, but they're playing. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're, you're right. They're playing tough. Yeah. This is, you know, this is outside, outdoor, slug it out. <laughs> you know, the game's going to like... <laughs> Game to 30, you know, and it's, that's the kind of basketball that these guys are playing, man. Everybody's sweating, um, you know, and with the heat, one thing you can't under, um, appreciate or undervalue is the leadership that they have on that team. Obviously Jimmy buckets, Jimmy Butler, he is the ultimate playoff guy. Kyle Lowry always underestimated as a playoff guy, but not as a leader. Yeah. I mean, in Toronto, you know, this guy's a leader. I think around the NBA, they know he's a leader, but you know, people are thinking, Hey, this, he's faded, right? It's past his prime, but he's showing, you know, he's yeah. ready for the playoffs. And you know who I'm going to give some props to who I never really gave props to before. Kevin love. I saw Kevin love just like running the floor, moving the basketball, passing the basketball getting and you you know when you're yeah. you know when you're 
playing good basketball and everybody just looks at each other and says, let's go. That's what I'm seeing with the heat. And that's what I'm seeing with Kevin Love. I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't think Kevin Love could still get up and down the floor. I thought he just sat at the three-point line, you know, but making some nice passes and, you know, dude, you know, some defense. I mean, he's lucky. He's got Bam there to cover him. I but, know. I mean, you know Kevin I Love is starting right and now for the Miami Heat. Because they've been tooth and nail with them throughout all three games is they're invested they are invested in this series, man. They see the chance to get to the Eastern Conference Final, and they want to get there. And I, I, I really just, it's the kind of series you want to see. Two tough teams duking it out. And for my money, I think the Heat just might be a little tougher than the Knicks because, you know, playoff Jimmy is a real thing. And Kyle Lowry, boy, we've seen what he can do when he gets it in his mind that he wants to get someplace. And it looks like the Heat are going to get to that place. And hopefully waiting for them at, at that place, the Eastern Conference Final I'm talking yep. about, will be the 76ers after they just tied their series with the Boston Celtics. Look, I make no bones about not liking Boston. I don't like Boston. I'm never going to like Boston. I don't care who they got on their team. I don't care who came to them or who left them. If you played for Boston, you're dead to me. Can't stand you. Don't like you. That being said, how do you not like the way Jalen Brown has performed in this series? Even in that loss, man, when for three quarters of that game, the game four against the 76ers, Jason Tatum didn't have anything. Jalen Brown did. Kept him in the game, played tough, played hard, and then Tatum finally got it going and made for a hell of a finish in that game with the Sixers winning in overtime on a James Harden three-pointer. What a series this is shaping up to be. Yeah, I mean, every every time we talk about the Celtics, we talk about 1A, Jalen Brown. I mean, how tough is this guy, too, right? Playing with the mask. Yeah, he, he's playing yeah. with the mask now, Brian. You know why? Because he likes yeah, gotta it. i got to admit, it looks, looks kind of cool. He's playing with the mask. That's yeah. incredible to me. Like, it's it does look cool. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he helped bring the Celtics back, right, with steady his steady play. You can count on him. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Jason Tatum has blown hot. But he did get super hot in that fourth. Serious, that fourth man. Like, he was really, like, you know, so. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. But, you know, if he was, like, if he, you know, if he played maybe. in the first and second maybe. quarter, they may not have been in an overtime game, you know. But, you know, the other, the other side of getting hot and cold is James Harden, man. Like. In the 40s. Like, but what yeah. are, what's going on with this guy? Two games in the 40s, right? And then, you know, and then the, the next game, you know, you're Something scoring like what? Uh, what do you got there? Mm-hmm. Like 12 points, you know? Then you got 16 points. Horrendous. And, and, not even, and, and horrendous and Keith, not just his shooting, shooting his Brian. So you, we always know, like, those... the. I was like, is that is that actually James Harden out there being tentative, indecisive? Oh yeah. And he comes out and drops a forty-two bomb on you with great plays and make making the right plays. You know that was such a weird game for me because oh, I yeah. watched that game. Embiid had a decent game, getting what 32, 34 points, right? And I'm going to say this with all due respect to the newly crowned MVP. Yeah. That was the softest thirty-point playoff game I've ever witnessed in my life. From a big guy. 
particularly down the stretch. The Sixers could have won that game going away if Embiid had asserted himself to the point where P.J. Tucker had to get in this man's face and yell at him to get aggressive, yell at him to take the ball harder to the hoop against. He was, look, I get Al Horford is a very good defender, maybe a great defender, but we're talking about Joel Embiid here. A multifaceted, multi-skilled, mammoth-sized individual who was shooting fadeaway jump shots in the middle of the key. Come on, man. You're better than that. You better be better than that. Also, even though this series is tied 2-2, you're not going to win. Because if Joel Embiid plays like he did, even though he got 30-some-odd points, the Sixers are not going to hang around this series. That's my prediction. And I don't make predictions. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know what? It's interesting because Embiid, yeah, you won the MVP for the, you win it for the regular season. Obviously, they announce it before the playoffs are, you know, even half over. But, you know, you really, players to me, the NBA players that I grew up loving, they always made their bones, man, made their mm-hmm. legend in the playoffs. You know what I mean? dominating games in the playoffs. Hey, look, we're looking at Devin Booker, man, and Nikola Jokic on the other side, and we're like, wow, these guys have come to play. Embiid's got to realize, too, hey, your job's not done. Okay, you got that MVP. You know, you rested away from Nikola Jokic. But, man, you've got to come to play right now. And I, for me, I mean, they, they were lucky. They could have, you know, they could have been down 3-1. to one. And I, I got to ask you about this. The last shot in overtime, um, well, both last shots, but particularly the overtime shot, uh, when Jason Tatum looked like he yeah. gave up a layup opportunity to me where he had the angle. And at, I, 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 down one, Brian, not down two, not down three. Down one, I thought at the very least he could have taken it hard to the hole and gotten a foul. But I, I thought he could have easily, not easily, but I thought he had the angle to get two-point play. What do you think about that last play in overtime? You can bring in the one in regulation, but in particular in overtime. I thought it was a great play. Great play. Don't call a timeout. Yeah, don't call a timeout. The players know what to do in that situation. Really? Look, that was just, what, a half second, a tenth of a second short of being a game winner? I call that, I let that play out exactly like that every time. If you're a coach of a team, who knows your team better than you do? Nobody. Joe Mazzula had the rights to do what he did. They're going to question it because he ran out of time, barely. But it was the right play in the right situation. I have no problem with the way that played out. It was a brilliant move by the coach and great execution. Almost. Just a half second short. That's it. I can't, I can't question it. <laughs> But let me tell you something. What's what's interesting is, you know, Joe Mazzula has since come back today and said, you know, in hindsight. Don't doubt yourself, Joe. I, I should have probably Don't called Don't doubt yourself, Joe. He did I'm, come and say that he yeah. should have called. Well, I'm just saying, he, he's come out and said it. And and for me personally, it's not that they didn't call a timeout. That's what they've been doing all, all season. And I get that. You know what? I, I think you got to go with what you're comfortable with. Real, but. For me, Jason Tatum, one, not starting his move until five seconds, 5.3 seconds left on the clock. 
that's fine too. But I think at that point, you've got to, if you're waiting to that point, you've got to be making your move to score, to win it. And the fact that he threw the ball out, even before the light went off, Brian, I was like, okay, he's giving up a potential two for a three. All right, that's the way the game is played nowadays. But man, did you run down the time? Like, I, I was like, you've got the ball in your hand with one and a half seconds left and you're throwing it to somebody else. I mean, I, I thought he waited much too long to make that move. But, yeah. and obviously, you know, that's it's hindsight. Of course, he waited too long. We saw the clock go off, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking Jason Tatum, again, another guy you've been up and down in this playoffs, man. Don't, this is where you become legendary, man. This is where you become one of the big boys winning that game at the buzzer. And the fact that he threw it to, I mean, you know, what their third would we call, uh, Marcus yeah, Smart, is he their third option? Big shot on offense. Big shot maker. Their fourth He's option. Made some big shots. The fact that he career. threw it out to their fourth option on offense. He's made big shots, but the for me at that point, the fact that you throw it out to your third, maybe fourth option, I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Like that put it this way. Let's substitute Jason Tatum well, for Jimmy you, Butler. See, and maybe I, I and here's the thing. Butler, That's, this is I, I think I Butler's making taking that play is trying a Monday morning quarterback a situation that took place in the live game. When the when the when the game is on the line, when things are happening fast and furious, you go with what is going on in front of you. You react to the to the stuff that's happening in front of you. You you can't just sit back and second guess yourself in the moment. So for us to sit back here and for anybody to do that, I think it's a waste of time because you're not in the moment. In the moment, things are happening. In the moment, you're making those decisions. You think they're the right decision. After the fact, yeah, you can dissect it and break it down and say, well, maybe you could have done this. Kind of well, you didn't. You did this. So there's no sense in going back and trying to say they should have done this, they should have done that. They did what they did, and that's, the, and that's what you have to live with. I understand the necessity of you know shows and podcasts like ours to break this down and talk about it. But I'm never going to uh, second guess guys in that situation. Maybe that's because I'm a player first type of person. I get that. But I think they made the right decision because that was the decision that was in front of them. And they got the result almost. Not quite the result they wanted, but that's basketball. That happens. Well, and for me, that's that that's kind of my point. The decision was right there. You're in the moment. That's when you gotta, that's when you've got to take that responsibility on your shoulders. I always call Jalen Brown a 1B, Jason Tatum a 1A. But if you're the true alpha dog, man, I think that when it comes time to winning the game, you've got to take that responsibility. Remember, this guy was driving to the basket. The, ba- the ball didn't just come to him. He t- it, for me, he took that responsibility he out of his play. hands he made and a gave play. it to somebody else. And for me, that, yeah, that speaks make volumes. He got, an, he got a guy jump shot. Yeah. That he well, made. he didn't make he a just play. Ran out of time. I mean, they didn't make the play. After just he barely. got a guy a jump shot just after barely. the buzzer. Well, the, the, so, the I mean, he this, didn't make I, the play. I, I, anytime you have the ball, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Player, <laughs> you got decisions to make. Do I go to the hoop? Do I, shoot, do I pull up for a shot? Do I drive? And, you got decisions to make. I'm not going to question that in the moment. 
we can question it. We can go back and forth on that. I'm never going to agree with you that in the moment he made the wrong decision. In the moment he made the decision that he thought was best. That's on him. We can break it down here and say, well, he should have done this, should have done that. Joe Mazzulli should have called a timeout. Whatever. That's fine. That's true. All that is valid. But the point I'm trying to make is that in the moment, it's all that matters. He made that decision. And, and you either live with it or die with it. Look, we've seen that happen throughout the length and breadth of basketball history. Michael Jordan kicking the John Paxson. LeBron James kicking the guys when they're open. For sh- and people have come back and said the exact same thing. What are you doing? Why don't you take it upon yourself to take that shot? Because sometimes the pass is the better play. Sometimes that's what we deem to be the better play. It may not have been the better play looking back at it, but that's what they thought in the moment. And I I knew you were going to bring that up, but the difference between those plays, no, the most the the ball went in. Wait, no, because you're wrong. But two, the most glaring examples, the ball went in. Hold on, but there's umpteen examples where the ball did not go in, where this exact situation did occur. So all I'm saying to you is that that's what I'm saying about Monday morning quarterbacking. It's it's to me it's a it's a bit of a self-aggrandizing thing to do. Like, well, what, what would you have done in that situation? You don't know because you're not in that situation. So to come back a day later and say, well, they should have done this, that, and that, eh, I, I take all that with uh, a grain of salt always. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying what I should have done in that situation. But I'm saying, okay, what I'm saying is Jason Tatum took the responsibility. Why, because somebody, because off somebody his else took the shot. Gave it to somebody because somebody else. else took the shot. It ultimately failed. He set up because, the play key. No, no. It, no, no. Because, no, no, Brian, Brian. He didn't get a shot. That's what you. That's what you're failing to to realize. A shot after the buzzer is oh is blown is not a shot. Is that going to show up in a box score? No, it isn't a shot. He took the responsibility off his shoulders, gave it to someone else, did not get a shot, and now the Sixers are tied two two. Instead of going to the hole, maybe getting fouled. Perhaps hitting that layup with which would have had what 0.1 second on the clock, 0.5 seconds on the clock, and going away with a three-one series lead. You're now two-two. You've given the Sixers whatever life. Uh, it, the series, remember, yeah. doesn't yeah, start okay, until you fine. lose at home. Uh, and, and the I'm Sixers saying, were on the I'm verge of losing at home. Valid, but you know what it is, Keith? It's Monday <laughs> right? morning quarterbacking because it's not in the moment. <laughs> yep, and it's been done. It's been done as long as sports has been watched, and it will continue to be done. Exactly. And I have never agreed with it. You can't go back and relitigate stuff. This is what happened. This hey, is the result. It, we can break it down 95 ways from Sunday, but it all comes you know down what? to one if, thing. You're not Marcus, in the moment. They were, and the decision was made. If Marcus Smart had actually gotten a shot away, uh, even if he had missed, I would have been, uh, you know, Thinking, oh, well, okay, well, but uh, you know what? Scratch that. I still think Jason Tatum should have taken a shot. You want to be the big gun, you got to do that. You've got, just look at the other series that we're watching, Brian. You know, just look. Sometimes the better Sometimes it is, but when it comes to winning and crunch time, look at the other series we're watching. Devin Booker, KD are not, even though a guy like Landry Shamit was making shots in the fourth, 
But if it comes down to crunch time, Gee, those guys we're are doing this. We're doing this. We're doing the same thing over <laughs> and over and over and again. I'm fine with you know, that. That's, that's, that's the problem. That's that's the problem with Monday morning quarterbacking is you can bring up a billion scenarios. But you know what? There's only one scenario in this situation, and that's the one that actually it's the one played that out. played out. Jason that's Tatum that did not get a shot off for his team. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the scenario. No one's arguing that. What I'm saying is I don't put any validity in going back and relitigating that scenario based on what could have happened or what should have happened in our estimation. Because us, the people that are viewing it, commentating about it, we weren't in that scenario. We didn't actually have the ball in our hands. We didn't see what the defenders were doing in front of us. We weren't seeing how fast or how slow people were moving on the court. So to come back and say, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing, I don't put a whole lot of validity into that. So we can keep going back and forth and round and round about it. It's not going to change my. Well, and I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to change your point of view. I'm just saying, option one, win the game, for your team. <laughs> okay, so so what you're saying is he wasn't trying to win. Oh, the game. I think he, I, I think he was trying to have someone else win the game for him, not win it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue this any longer because it's pointless. If you think Jason Tatum wasn't trying to win the game, I don't know what else to say to that. But I think he was. End of story. And this is as good a place as any to say that we're going to pick this back up in a couple of days because we're going to have a whole lot to talk about with the Maple Leafs facing elimination, with all these basketball series just taking on some incredible turns, and to see what happens with Jokic. And one final thing about basketball, Keith, we haven't heard much from the Raptors camp. So, you know, something's brewing. We're going to have to hear. Hey, and don't soon. forget about the NFL, the NHL draft lottery, which could change, could no change one young hockey fan's future franchise. Oh, will you stop? Eight and a half okay? percent chance Montreal of winning. Montreal is not going to get the. They're not going to win, Keith. They're not going to win. I'm going to, I'm going to make a Brian Dunstan solid gold prediction. Montreal does not get the number one overall draft pick in this year's draft. So Connor Bedard is not. This is not an Edmonton Oilers scenario developing here. God forbid. Could you imagine if that happened at the Habs? Oh, my. We'd have to stop this podcast. We'd have to start a whole different podcast. A a terrible time for you to start making predictions. (laughs) Oh, well, you know. You know how my predictions go. (laughs) So we'll probably end up getting the first pick. And we'll all be talking about it. Oh, Bernard and Slavkowski. Bernard and Slavkowski. God forbid. All right. That is episode 25 of the Puck and Hoop podcast. Uh, been a whole lot of fun, Keith. Love uh, Josh and Lydia. You know, it's always a good time. Episode 26 will be coming up very soon. Don't you dare miss it. If you're listening to this announcement, you've made it to the end of another IYP the opinions, views, and statements you've heard on this edition of Fucking Hoop are solely those of the host, guests, and their sources. The purpose of the Fucking Hoop Narrowcast is to entertain and inform our listeners, followers, and subscribers, and to help them form their own opinions. Thanks for listening.